Hey everyone, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and of course, whoever. So, just a couple of things to take care of before we begin. I'd like to once again thank everyone who supports the show on Patreon. I noticed that my monthly payout suddenly jumped up to about $80, and the number of supporters went up from about 14 to 16 I went into my account to try to see who the new patrons were so I could thank them. But other than Jim Dunn, who I think I may have thanked already, if not, thank you, Jim. As I always say, it can't hurt to thank someone twice. But other than that, all the names looked familiar. It could be something that's pretty common with Patreon. If they have trouble processing payments, they temporarily remove those people from your active patron list. So a couple of peeps may have, uh, you know, had payment processing issues, and then it got straightened out and they're now considered active patrons again. If someone new did sign up and I missed it, my apologies. A deep thanks to you and all the other Patreon supporters. Your support is greatly appreciated. It means a lot. Okay, so now for a couple of corrections. First up, I got some chemistry stuff wrong, which kind of makes sense since I'm not a chemist, but I feel like I do have a responsibility to be as factually accurate as possible and not put bad or incorrect information out there. And this will sound strange out of context, but I was talking about formaldehyde on the last episode. Um, you know, fear of the artificial sweetener aspartame converting to formaldehyde, how formaldehyde's naturally occurring in many foods, and uh, where I went wrong was I stated that the wood alcohol in aspartame converts to methanol. Nope, wood alcohol and methanol are the same thing. At about 86 degrees Fahrenheit or higher, the methanol or wood alcohol and aspartame converts to formaldehyde and then formic acid. I also stated in passing that it supposedly takes a large intake or amount of formaldehyde, maybe formaldehyde is the drinking game word of the week, um, a, large, you know, a large amount of formaldehyde in your system before it converts to the toxic chemical formic acid. This is also incorrect. Your body quickly breaks down formaldehyde, take a drink as long as you're not driving, it quickly breaks it down into formic acid, which in turn is broken down more slowly. And if you do, you know, take in an abnormally large amount of formaldehyde, you can eventually build up toxic levels of formic acid. So I guess I was kind of close, but no proverbial cigar. I went in and corrected those mistakes, as well as a couple of other little things that weren't factually wrong, but that I thought in retrospect could have been worded better, and then I re-uploaded the whole episode. And so if you've already downloaded the episode but haven't listened to it yet, you may want to delete it and re-download it so you get the newest version from the show's feed. But my guess is anyone who is interested in that episode has probably already listened to it by now. For better or worse, I guess, depending on which version you got. But anyway, I think that takes care of the corrections, actually. And so on to the first story or topic. And just a heads up, this one kind of falls outside the usual wheelhouse of religion or atheism. It has to do with politics, but involves TYT. And as I've mentioned before on the show, I think the first two podcasts I ever subscribed to were The Young Turks and Brian Dunning's Skeptoid. 
To be honest, ideologically, I agree with the Young Turks on most things, but I've disagreed with them on some stuff or I've found them irksome at times. Remember the whole Sam Harris debacle? And so I'll go through these cycles where I'll fall out of the habit of watching them, and then eventually I'll start keeping up with them again. I'm sure the fact that they share my disdain of Trump probably has something to do with the fact that I've been watching them more recently. But about a week ago, I think, the days have been flying by and I've been struggling to get new content out on time. I was having trouble sleeping and I was scrolling through the YouTube app on my iPad looking for something to watch to help take my mind off of my insomnia. And I noticed a brand new TYT video that had just been published. And the focus of the video was how Mitch McConnell recently struck down that roughly $9 billion bipartisan COVID relief bill. It's now the 17th as I'm recording this, and at this time it looks like a retooled version of that bipartisan relief bill probably will be passed soon. And it was really looking like they weren't going to be included, but it looks like there was a last minute decision to include another round of stimulus checks. The bad news, most likely they're only going to be for about half the amount that they were the last time. Uh, the first time around with the CARES Act, each individual below a certain income level, I believe, uh, got a $1,200 check. This time, most likely it's going to be closer to six or $700. And damn it, this is the trouble with covering developing stories. It's now the 18th. I'm coming back to you through the magic of editing. And it looks like the negotiations have once again hit a snag. Government officials still haven't managed to come to an agreement on the details of this bipartisan relief bill. Despite a looming government shutdown... So they've been buying themselves some time by agreeing to keep the government funded through the weekend. I think two of the sticking points were, and I heard this this morning at work, apparently there's a Republican senator, Pat Toomey, I think, who suddenly decided he wants the bill to include a cap on how much the Federal Reserve can give out in loans. And then Trump is now supposedly pushing for the inclusion of larger stimulus checks, somewhere in the ballpark of $2,000, but at least $1,200 per individual. And of course, that would be awesome. But the downside is suggesting the inclusion of such a change at the last minute is probably going to upset and prolong negotiations that were finally nearing an end. And as much as I would love to see $2,000 stimulus checks or direct payments, I know I could really use it, I don't realistically see it happening. Trump holds tremendous sway over his followers and enough sway over government to be dangerous. There was just that story several days ago about how one of Trump's advisors that he installed in the HHS, the Health and Human Services Department, had been along with other members of the Trump administration pushing for herd immunity, or as Trump referred to it, herd mentality, a telling Freudian slip. The advisor in question was quoted as saying, we want them infected. They were pushing to allow as many young people as possible to get infected, driven by this misguided notion that herd immunity would kick in and that would be the end of COVID. How'd that work out? Cases are now skyrocketing across the country and things are more dire than ever. Sure, we have all these vaccines coming out, but they're saying that the general public, with the exception of certain high-risk or vulnerable individuals like the elderly or people with serious pre-existing conditions or comorbidities, probably won't have access to them until at least well into the spring.
So we still have a months-long slog ahead of us. But the point I was trying to make is that although Trump has enough power to be dangerous, he really doesn't hold much power over the Senate or Mitch McConnell. McConnell's probably chuckling at the idea of $2,000 stimulus checks. But regarding his decision to strike down that bipartisan proposal in its previous iteration, it seems McConnell's primary concern was making sure that whatever bill was passed that included COVID liability protection for big business, he seemed to finally be backing off of that a bit, but still pretty gross. People are really struggling financially, food insecurities through the roof. I think I read a report that stated that at least 40% of Americans have experienced food insecurity since the beginning of the pandemic. You have people for the first time in their lives having to stand in line at food pantries or food banks because they can't afford groceries. And these bipartisan bills that were being suggested originally weren't including stimulus checks. And it was like a slap in the face, but recently the White House proposed a package that would have included a round of $600 stimulus checks. But with the catch being wait for it, no unemployment assistance. I was like, really? A one-time $600 payment with no unemployment assistance? So it's like, here, kid, here's 600 bucks. Don't spend it all in one place. After this, you're on your own. Yeah, but there's this strange pattern of Trump waffling on the matter of stimulus checks or a stimulus package in general. He'll say one thing and then he'll suddenly do a 180 out of nowhere, like uh, proposing $600 checks with no unemployment assistance and then suddenly saying he wants $2,000 checks. My guess is it's all about what he thinks will make him look good. But I don't really care when it comes to something like this. If someone does something good, even if it's for cynical or selfish reasons or the sake of their ego, hey, at the end of the day, it still benefits people in need. Uh, but like I said, given the mindset of McConnell and other Senate Republicans, I really don't see $2,000 stimulus checks coming to pass. Maybe, maybe we might get another round of $1,200 checks, but I think more realistically, it will be more in keeping with the lower numbers we've been hearing about, $600 or $700. And I hope you guys don't mind me jumping in with all these updates. It's now the 20th and I'm still working on this episode. I apologize, I've been so real world busy lately. But there's something I've been following and it's this very kind of inspiring partnership between Republican Senator Josh Hawley and Bernie Sanders. Full disclosure, I love Bernie, consider myself a Bernie supporter, was very disappointed when he had been derailed basically by the DNC, not once but twice. But the two of them have come together to push for $1,200 stimulus checks in the form of kind of a standalone bill. And there's been talk of this in the news for a week or two now, but they finally brought it forward for a vote, and another Republican senator, Rob Johnson, I believe, jumped in to try to block it at the last minute. Basically doing, I forget how David Pakman put it, he referred to it as kind of like the stern or strict dad kind of mentality that many Republicans have, where they claim to be fiscally conservative, unless it comes to like big business or you know, bloated funding of military contractors or things like that. But when it comes to the average working person, suddenly it's like, oh, gotta watch those purse strings. And so he was trying to argue that we need to avoid or abandon this kind of shotgun approach that we took at the beginning of the pandemic and saying that 
at its worst, at the pinnacle, or nadir rather, of the lockdown, where when people were the most financially impacted, uh, that it was 20-something million Americans that were unemployed, but that a much larger percentage of the population were getting the stimulus checks and not just those who needed it. So kind of suggesting that we were cranking open the spigot and wasting money. But let's not forget that a obscene amount of money from that last COVID relief bill or stimulus bill, what was that, eight months ago now, that an obscene amount of that went to big business. So if you were looking for a place to start scaling back, you know, maybe start there. And he's not taking into consideration, or maybe he is, he's just being intellectually dishonest, that it wasn't just the people who were officially unemployed who've been financially impacted. There's people who have had their hours drastically cut back because of the pandemic. There's households that have gone from being a two-income household to a single-income household. And this guy, like many other senators, is a millionaire. That's kind of, I mean, we have millionaires arguing over whether we even deserve $300 in, in, you know, in unemployment assistance or whether we're worthy of an even $600 stimulus check. It's disgusting. And uh, it's our taxes that pay their salaries. And so, like I was saying, you know, uh, it seems like there's always money for big business or for bloated military spending. But when it comes to average Americans in need, it's like, sorry, we got to watch the old purse strings. Guess you're going to have to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps or boob straps if you're a girl. Did I really just say that? But I was actually recently reading a Market Watch article, I think it was, and they were saying that America's billionaires have seen their collective wealth increase by a trillion dollars since the beginning of the pandemic. And they could theoretically pay every American $3,000 and still be wealthier than they were before the pandemic. And it's funny, I have relatives who identify strongly as Democrats, while I, on the other hand, consider myself an independent who leans heavily left, probably farther left or further left than my Democrat relatives when it comes to things like a UBI or the legalization of certain drugs like psychedelics, etc. Well, I guess technically drug legalization isn't solely a left-wing issue. You could be a right libertarian and still be for drug legalization. Uh, anyway, but I got into a disagreement with them over Nancy Pelosi. I was saying months ago that I thought her refusal to accept a deal was at least in part political. That she may have been intentionally trying to stall things until after the election so Trump wouldn't be able to gain momentum by taking credit for a second stimulus package. And look now, just recently, she was willing to accept a deal that had a much smaller price tag than previous offers that she had turned down. And on top of it, to add insult to injury, it looked like at the time, you know, it wouldn't include stimulus checks. But to get back to TYT, finally. So Jenk and Anna were reporting on McConnell striking down that bipartisan bill or proposal, and suddenly Anna erupts at Jenk and starts berating him. And I was like, uh-oh, what the hell is this? And I don't know if they left the video up or not. They probably did. But in the moment, you know, my podcaster sense was tingling and told me to quickly save the video just in case. I knew it was kind of juicy. So I pasted the video's URL into the browser of an app I have on my iPad that lets you save videos and grabbed it before it could be taken down. 
It seems what set Anna off is that Jenk was characterizing establishment Democrats like Schumer and Pelosi as being stupid people who allow themselves to get played by McConnell. Well, she believes that they basically know perfectly well what they're doing and they're just corrupt. But here's the clip. So uh, the Democrats thought, oh, hey, we made a deal with Republicans. So we went under the trillion dollars that they were asking for. We gave less. So we're already epic failures uh, and we got totally rooked. Uh, but yay, we have a deal. And then McConnell came in and he's like, no, you don't. You guys are idiots. You, you'll take any deal. So I'll spit in your face again. I sent a bunch of Republican senators to do fake negotiations with you guys just to humiliate you. And then I sent Josh Hawley from Missouri, who's gonna run for president to say that he's against the deal because he wants to give the $1,200 stimulus checks directly to Americans. And now he's gonna be super popular and you guys are gonna get nothing and be deeply unpopular. Ha ha, oh, did you wanna reach out and work with me? Look. I, I know I use the word stupid too often on air, guilty as charged, I know. But if you're Democratic leadership and you've fallen for that same Mitch McConnell trick a billion times, what, what do you want yeah. me to call you? What do you want me to call you? Okay. You want me to call you smart? Yeah. You want me to call you a master legislator? I, I know, don't work Jake, in the everyone is stupid. Media. No, it's, it's very effective. It's extremely effective to dedicate all of your commentary to calling people stupid. I'm not saying that I agree with people who, who go along with Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell. I'm talking about strategy. Okay, I'm talking about reasonable people who literally don't do what we do all day, every day for a living. They maybe don't know. No, what's no, going Anna, on in, in this country. case, I'm not. Maybe they're to. only exposed to a conservative media bubble where they're not getting the facts. No, no, but no. Our job, our only purpose here, literally our only purpose here is persuasion. And calling people stupid does nothing. It does nothing. No, but anyway, continue on with that extraordinary commentary about how stupid people are. Go. Yeah, well, it's first great. of all, so original. Uh, Anna, we're talking about two different things. First of all, you're talking about Trump voters, and my job is to deliver the news honestly. And honestly, they're stupid. But that's a different conversation than this particular story, okay? Um, and in this story, I'm calling Dick Durbin and Chuck Schumer stupid for thinking that Mitch McConnell's ever going to work with them honestly. And yes, I'm calling Joe Biden stupid for reaching out to Republicans and going, "Oh yeah, Mitch McConnell, the fever's going to break, and then Mitch McConnell's going to want to help me." They're not stupid, really? it's intentional, it's intentional, Jank, it's intentional. The guy who created a pack to get money out of politics is pretending as if they're stupid. They know what they're doing, no. they know what they're doing, Jank. They're funded by the same people, Jank, they're not stupid. Anna, it, they, no, I, I'm telling you, man, I've met these people. Number one, you, everyone out there, you are overestimating their intelligence. They were picked by donors because they're not that bright. They just want, they're desperate for power. And so what do donors find? They have 330 million people to choose from. They can pick anyone. They're like, oh, that schmuck is desperate for power and not that bright. And if I tell him, hey, do this, he'll do it. He's my water boy. Hey, Durbin, get out there and, and pretend that McConnell's gonna make a deal with you. Oh, yes, yes, I will, yes, I will. So anyways. Uh, and and then secondly, the people I'm most yelling at is the national media that aid and abet Mitch McConnell and corporate Democrats in their fecklessness. So 
nonstop, nonstop. How many times have we been told that Nancy Pelosi is a master legislator? Guess what, national media who are all 100% wrong, she got played again for the billionth time in a row. Call her master legislator one more time. My job is to deliver the news honestly. Honestly, the rest of the media sucks, the corporate Democrats suck, and Mitch McConnell is playing them like a fool. And I'll give Mitch McConnell credit, he's not stupid. <laughs> he plays them like a fiddle and then goes, hey, oh yeah, we got a deal. No, we don't, psych. And then now that he's won re-election, he can give his donors everything they want for six straight years and screw you over. So if you voted for Mitch McConnell, Congrats, you got what you wanted. You're gonna get screwed for the next six years. He's giving you nothing in coronavirus relief. You know, in, in one city in Kentucky, the hospitals are at 148% capacity. They're overflowing with coronavirus patients. It's record numbers of dead people in Kentucky. And Mitch McConnell just told you, your senator in Kentucky just told you, I'm not gonna give you anything. The only thing I care about is, Liability protection for multinational corporations who are my donors. The rest of you can go die. So there it is. And so the question is, establishment Democrats, are they stupid or corrupt? And to quote Lucian Greaves from the Satanic Temple, why can't it be both? Okay, so now on to the next topic. So I'm friends with the guys from the Free Thought Prophet podcast, John and Seamus. Seamus and I in particular tend to stay in touch, and he recently brought this story concerning Matt Dillahunty to my attention. And before I go any further, I'll just pause for a moment to offer my personal thoughts and feelings on Matt Dillahunty. To be honest, I've never really cared for him that much, and that's not meant to be a condemnation of him as a human being. Some people just rub other people the wrong way. I've just personally always found him to be a little cold or smug and condescending, but I do appreciate the work he does with the atheist experience. For me, it's a bit atheist 101, but I think it's a good resource for budding atheists or people who are on the fence or Christians who might be starting to question their faith and want to see what arguments the other side has. In that sense, I do think what he and the other members of the atheist experience do really is valuable. But what this is all about is that Seamus sent me a couple of links to video of Dillahunty saying something kind of, I don't know, controversial or inflammatory that really rubs Seamus the wrong way. And Dillahunty's co or guest host on this particular episode of the atheist experience was a YouTuber who goes by the handle or channel name Theoretical Bullshit, pardon my language, and it's funny, I always used to mention friend and listener Crocoduck on the show, and we started talking again via Twitter DMs recently, but it was Crocoduck who made me aware of Theoretical Bullshit back in the day. He's a pretty cool guy, I believe his real name is Scott Clifton, he actually used to be a soap star I think, and he kind of has these Hollywood leading man good looks, but he's also really smart and well versed in philosophy. And so yeah, he was Dillahunty's co-host, and this kind of antagonistic caller, well, called in as callers tend to do, and the caller and Dillahunty started butting heads over the topic of drag queen story hour. 
And to be honest, I myself don't really have any strong feelings on the topic. I'm not a parent, so I feel like it doesn't really affect me personally. And you guys know me, I'm very supportive of the LGBTQ. There's the Q. And did they add another letter recently? I'm trying to help you guys, but you keep making my job harder by adding extra letters. Kidding. <laughs> and I get that Drag Queen Story Hour is about trying to uh, teach children about acceptance and that kind of thing, which is very good. I think it might be a little weird in the sense that drag queens are often associated, at least you know, when I think about it, with things like smoke-filled lounges and nightlife. So I'm kind of like, what's next? Are we going to bring the bartender in to read to the kids? Uh, but as I understand it, Drag Queen Story Hour usually takes place in public libraries. So it's voluntary and the parents are willingly taking their kids there. And it's not some school-mandated activity, so who the hell cares, you know? But the caller and Dillahunty get into it, and I believe the caller tries to draw some correlation or connection between drag queens and pedophilia or something like that. Oh yeah, and I know that over the course of doing this podcast, I've often covered stories about religious people in positions of power or authority abusing children. Everything from Warren Jeffs and fundamentalist Mormon sex, marrying off underage girls to grown men, to of course Catholic Church sexual abuse scandals. So I'm not new to covering this sort of thing, but there's something about having to utter the word pedophile or pedophilia that really just kind of skeeves me out or makes my skin crawl. It's kind of like the word, and here I'm going to have to say it, rape. Uh, I just felt uncomfortable saying it there. There are these powerful, visceral words that are really effective at expressing or conveying the vileness of the acts they represent to the point that I don't even like saying them. So thank you, Seamus, for making me talk about pedophilia. I'm kidding, my friend. Kinda. But I think Seamus was really taken aback or offended by what Dillahunty said or his attitude and wanted me to watch the video and let him know what my thoughts were. And so it's a pretty quick exchange, but at one point Scott Clifton jumps in and tries to calm things down, or, you know, Dill Hunty just gets sick of arguing with the guy, so tosses him to uh, Clifton. And uh, so Scott Clifton says something like, I think we all agree that pedophilia is wrong, and then Dill Hunty jumps back in and says no. And the look on Scott's face is pretty priceless. And it probably would have been my reaction too. He completely freezes and has this low, this confused look like, wait, what was that? And Dillahunty, you know, jumps in and says that pedophilia is all right because technically that just means that you're sexually attracted to kids. It's pederasty. Is that, is that the word? I'm not sure. That's wrong because that means you're acting on those desires and actively uh, abusing children. I'm paraphrasing. And I want to make sure, especially on a topic like this, that I'm not putting words in people's mouths. So Dillahunty never actually states pedophilia is all right in those words. But you could, you know, you could argue it's kind of implied because when Clifton says pedophilia is wrong, Dillahunty jumps in and says no. Uh, in fairness to him, he does offer the caveat that as long as the person doesn't act on those desires, you know, they're to be lauded or whatever for that fact. 
And that's an interesting topic for philosophical discussion, not one I'd normally want to get near with a 10-foot pole, but since we're here, why not? I think there is an argument to be made that if someone has aberrant or harmful desires or urges but doesn't act on them, that's a good thing in the sense that it would seem to perhaps indicate that they have an intact enough moral compass or concern for others or social norms that they're able to realize that actually acting on those desires or urges would be selfish and harmful. But as I pointed out the Seamus, I'm paraphrasing myself, where I think Dillahunty goes wrong is implying that having those thoughts or urges isn't wrong. But then again, was that what he was implying? Because he does follow it up with that caveat. But there's something odd about the way he just jumps in right away and says no after Clifton says pedophilia is wrong. <laughs> And I know hindsight's always 2020, but I think the least he could have done is to state that if someone does have those kinds of thoughts or urges, if they do find themselves sexually attracted to children, um, maybe, you know, you should seek help, talk to a therapist, try to take steps to ensure that you don't someday act on those thoughts or urges, you know. Uh, but here's the actual recording and you can kind of decide for yourselves. Do you think it's Im do you think it's immoral for a drag queen to read stories to children? Yes, I do. Why? Uh, because being a drag queen, it's it, it's a sexually active act. No. And anything sexual, no, you know, it's you not. Dress up like a, it, it's not. You're just course, wrong about what a drag queen this? is. I mean, you're just demonstrably wrong about what a drag queen is. But please tell me why it's immoral. Are, are you a drag queen? I have been a drag queen, actually. And is sex immoral? So have I. <laughs> Around children, of course it is. You both have why, been drag why, queens? Why is it, why is it immoral for, for someone to wear clothing associated with the gender that they are not in front of children? Why is that immoral? It's because it's a sexual act. It's not a sexual act. Where's the sex happening? A drag Where queen a storybook to a child there's no sexual act involved you're you're dressing up as a slut as a man holy shit did you act. get stepped into the wrong fucking show bucko first of all stop slut shaming people there's nothing wrong with being a slut but second of all drag queens aren't <laughs> dressing up like a slut they are they are people who are dressing up of a gender that is not theirs that is a completely separate issue you want to go ahead and you want to get into your trans bigotry too so that I can continue to smack you around? If you want to make a claim that something is actually immoral, you better make a claim that it's immoral and not just keep asserting that it's about sex or that somebody's a slut because all you're doing is showing that you are one of the average people who are too ignorant to understand this. So please continue. No, I mean, are you a fucking pedophile? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you on about? You, you want to dress uh, I, up and, and be a slut around kids? Seriously, you, wait, wait, no, you just asked me if I'm a pedophile? Wait, wait, wait. Go yeah, ahead. God, Scott, you bat him around for a while. Yeah. I, need, I need to break. This I'm is just, hilarious. No, I'm actually, this is like fascinating to me because, so Lance, what, what is the slut part? I dress up because like a woman. You dance on stage and you sing Madonna, like, and you dance around. I, I wouldn't want Marilyn Monroe dancing around, even as a woman, a straight woman. I wouldn't want a dancer to be around a child. 
The, you do realize that drag queens are not dancing on a pole in front of children. They're reading them storybooks, right? Yeah, you just said they're reading a storybook, not yeah. dancing. Why so, would you not have a? Why not have a? Why? Why are you making aberrant behavior positive around children who are already impressionable and confused? That's why? Why are you? Why are you engaging in pure canical slut gaming when you don't understand what any of this is about? You are unbelievable that you think this is okay behavior, Lance. Lance. Wait, it's wait. Okay. Let's it's find let's find some common let's find some common ground, okay? Right. Yeah. So we both believe that we, we all believe that pedophilia is wrong, right? We all no. believe that pederasty is wrong. Pedophilia oh, yes. is an attraction, right. and if not acted upon, they should be lauded for not acting on it. But yes, I understand. Act, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I stand corrected. Uh, um, I don't know, man. There it is. I'll let you guys decide. I'm passing the buck to you. Um, and so I'll do one last story. And I was going to say as a kind of palate cleanser after that last story, but no, it's just another gross skeevy story, just a different kind of gross. So two guys walk into a Denny's, and no, that's not the beginning of a joke. These two Christian guys enter an Illinois Denny's and ask to be seated, despite the fact that they're not wearing masks. And when politely confronted about it, they repeatedly try to claim that they're covered by a religious exemption. The waitress, who has probably had to deal with who knows how many of these inconsiderate morons who are too selfish to simply wear a mask, just finally announces that she quits. Apologies to audio-only podcast listeners. I'll include the video clip in the YouTube version, but hopefully the gist still comes through with just the audio. Here it is. Wait, we have a religious exemption, but we don't want. We just don't want to wear a mask. You're required to wear a mask to enter a restaurant. Pardon me. You're required to have a, a mask. So it's our religious belief. It's under the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that. We have an exemption, religious exemption. I quit. I fucking quit. What is wrong with you people? Ma'am, we're not Roger, sick. I'm not working for this shit anymore. These guys won't put their mask on. I'm yes. sick of feeling like this. Why are you discriminating against us, ma'am? I'm not discriminating against you. Yes, you are. Roger, I can't do this. Stop. Stop. I'm sorry, you can't come in without a mask. The governor Why? has said no mask, no service. Sir, the, the, not, the Civil Rights Act says we have, we can claim a religious exemption for not wearing a mask. We're not, not sick. No, not here. Okay, and then you, you lost our business. Okay. We'll go somewhere else. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Well, He's filming also, by the way. He what? He's filming this. It's just some kind of, like, fun act for these people. I've had it. Don't believe everything the media tells you, okay? Yeah, fuck yourself. Here, walk, clean your language up, ma'am. So just listening back to that there gets me angry all over again. But before I give my take, I just have to stop for a moment. Was that, um, wait, Jefferson Airplane was the original incarnation of the band, right? And then they later became Jefferson Starship. I'm a fan of psychedelic rock, and I really love Jefferson Airplane. White Rabbit, Someone to Love. Then they got kind of watered down when they became uh, Starship. Anyway, so now I have uh, copyrighted music and the word pedophile in this episode. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And the news story episodes don't really, you know, I don't earn any money off of those anyway. So what is there to lose? And did I just wheeze when I laughed? That was gross. Hey, got asthma and it's the winter and I've been working outside. And so, yeah, one of the Christian guys was actually doing the recording. I think that's stated in the uh, video slash audio. 
And to me, the fact that they came in recording tells me that they were looking to get a rise out of someone. They knew coming in without mask was going to upset people, but they did it anyway. And a couple of times, the camera pans to the guy's friend, who looks to be a middle-aged guy, maybe in his 50s. And I'm thinking, really? Really, man? You're a grown-ass man, and you don't have anything better to do than to go into a Denny's and give a waitress a hard time? And obviously not all Christians are alike. There's plenty of Christians out there who are rational enough and decent enough to recognize that, yes, viruses do exist. And we should take common sense precautions, including wearing masks, to help prevent the spread of this particular virus. And it blows my mind. What's the big deal? It's a thin, breathable piece of material that's easy to wear. Doesn't harm you any to wear it unless you know you have some kind of weird medical condition I'm unaware of, or maybe you have some kind of psychological condition where you kind of freak out or feel claustrophobic if you wear a mask. In which case, as cold as it sounds, maybe you shouldn't be going out to eat during a pandemic where wearing a mask can help protect yourself and others from a highly contagious pathogen. And I noticed that these conservative anti-masker types seem to embrace one or more wrong-headed attitudes, you know, towards wearing a mask. There's this notion that some Christians have that their faith in God will somehow shield them from the virus. And I find this to be grotesquely selfish and solipsistic. Do they even bother to take others into consideration? In their mind, are others also shielded from the virus by God or just them because they're so special? And then there's this other mentality some anti-mask right-wingers seem to have, as if they think it's patriotic not to wear a mask, as if they're defending their freedoms. You know, the freedom to what? Get infected by a highly contagious virus and spread it to others? From my eyes, it's wearing a mask that's patriotic. It almost reminds me of how during World War II, everyday people came together and did what they could to support the war effort. We should be coming together to help defeat this viral enemy. And all that's being asked of people is to be considerate of others and to take common sense precautions. You know what I mean? I think I only said you know what I mean once in this entire episode. Now that's progress. But I guess I'll end this show on that note. Uh, thanks, all, as always, for listening. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter, even though I'm not on there much. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash theweekendout and helping the support why I do here for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Mm -hmm.